Welcome to the Delta Flyers journey through the wormhole with Dax, Cork, Tom, and Harry. Your hosts for today are my fellow Trek actors, Armin Shimmerman and Robert Duncan McNeil, and of course, myself, Garrett Wong. For the complete and stupendous version of this podcast, check out patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers and sign up to become a patron today. Hello, yes. gentlemen. Hello. Well, hello, hello there. Oh, my goodness. We're all here. You guys, did you guys call each other beforehand saying, I want a DS9 background and I'm going to have a DS9 no. background? No. Okay. No, I think I've mentioned this. I am all in on this show, DS9. Yes, I've never watched it before. You love it. I'm Team Bashir you so did. far. <laughs> I am definitely Team Bashir. But uh, I, I'm all in. I love the way the the characters are... Mm. Uh, the stories connect and continuous mm -hmm. and build uh, yeah. in a way that I haven't seen on, on yeah. any, you know, any of this generation of Star Trek shows. Yeah. So I love it. Uh, I'm stoked that you love it. It's happening. Yeah. And I'm very proud that you love it. Thank you very much. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. It's time. For Robbie and my poetry synopsis of the episode Cueless. So, Robbie, why don't you? Uh... I'll start with my limerick. Mm. I'll start with my limerick for Cueless. Mm -hmm. Is that like clueless? Is that what it was? Is it, it may a, be. Play on, a play yeah. on? Because that was a very popular movie TV show back in the day that was being filmed right next to Star Trek. Yeah, which was across, right down the yes, right down across the from DS9 and directly next to Voyager's yeah. uh, sound stages. So cue less. Here's my limerick. Vosh brings artifacts from the Gamma Quadrant onto the station. Q arrives too and causes quite a sensation. The station's going to be destroyed. Cisco's getting really annoyed. And the glowing crystal returns to its proper location. Nice. Very it's, nice. It's, it's you know the rhythm of the limerick I play with a little, but uh, but I, <laughs> I the fact that I could get sensation, location, station, I felt very proud of that. I'm pretty proud of myself. You got all the shuns in there. Yes. So. yes. Okay. Here's my haiku for Culus. Vash back from Gamma. Cork drops down to twenty two. Last sail was life form. Nice. Mm, very nice. nice. Very Thank nice. You. Thank All right, you. Armin, with your etymology of Q less, how will you attack this? Uh, not very well. So <laughs> uh, Q is the 12th letter of the English alphabet and yes. the first letter of my character's name. <laughs> nice. So, so this is really a quirk episode then. It is indeed a quirk Q, episode, yes. although it's certainly a, a Q and Vosh episode as well. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's a good quirk episode, actually. Uh, there's some elements of it that I'm very fond of, uh, and there's one particular thing uh, later on that we'll talk about that uh, is uh, a speech that Q makes that I just uh, find delicious. So, oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> I can't wait. All right, gentlemen, let's dive right into this. This is a yes. story by Hannah Louise Shearer and teleplay by Robert Hewitt Wolf. This episode was directed by. Paul Teddy Bear Lovin Lynch. How does Paul Lynch direct? I feel like he's directed every episode so far. It seems like it. He's, he's like the he Rick directed Colby. A lot, he's like the Rick Colby of DS9. In the, he in he did in the beginning. He did yeah. in the beginning, and then yeah. uh, he he faded away. 
Yeah, mm. that sounds like Rick Colby. We had Rick Colby a lot in the beginning, and then he yeah. faded away at the very yeah. end. So. We had Rick too, uh, and he too faded away. It may be that so many of our uh, actors on our uh, regular series regulars uh, mm. wanted to become directors that they had mm. to make room for those guys. And we had oh. quite, a few. And, and there were the directors from TNG as well, the actor directors. Oh wow! I will say, as a as a fellow DGA director of some of those names. I have seen a pattern where a lot of times directors are heroes for a while until they're not. And if there's an episode that for whatever reason was not beloved by the studio or network, it's easy to take that director and go, yep, put them on a list. We're not going to hire them anymore. Um, it's harder to look at the script that the network approved, the studio approved, the, the producers wrote and kind of find flaws in that, or to look at casting, you know, a, a weak actor in this role or something, or, you know, the directors often get the glory when they don't deserve it. Sometimes they also are thrown under the bus. So I wouldn't be surprised if Paul Lynch at some point delivered an episode. I'm just guessing that they were like somebody at the studio network or somebody said, Oh no, that was, that was not good. Who directed it? Paul Lynch. Okay. No more. No more Paul. Mm. That that wouldn't surprise me one bit. Okay. Yeah. And to add to that, there's always the possibility that one of the series regulars on a show will say, I don't like him or her. And, yes. and oh, that's yeah. The their career on the show. Yep. There yeah. you go. Absolutely. The inner workings of Hollywood, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Okay. Let's start right off in the replimat. Bashir is tooting his own horn, telling his Bajoran date about how he finished second in his class salutatorian due to a trick question on the Starfleet medical oral uh, part of the finals there. So mm -hmm. otherwise he would have been valedictorian. So he's just boasting left and right. And she is hanging onto every word coming forth from his mouth while yes. O'Brien is sitting fairly close. We talk about close talking on Voyager. This is close sitting. O'Brien yeah. is sitting fairly close and he looks on and rolls his eyes during this entire. I love him. Speech. His background acting, his, his work <laughs> in the behind. The the woman that uh, whatever this woman's name did she have a name I don't think I so. don't think so she must have been the script but certainly she was uh, uh, Bajoran and Bajoran. might have been a Dabo girl uh, oh uh, okay uh, that would explain her being on the station but um, yes can't tell for sure okay. yeah all right I love I love uh, Miles O'Brien in the background yeah it was awesome. subtle it was perfectly timed <laughs> the, the kind of questioning looks. <laughs> I also loved when when Bashir is telling the story and he builds to this climactic moment where he says, I finally found the answer I was looking for, the pericardial membrane. And yes. he's so excited. It's just, it made me laugh. It's infectious. And poor Sid, all yeah. he ever got was those medical technobabble words. Oh, and, yeah. And he memorized them brilliantly. He yeah, did he, did he, he did a great, he did a great job. And if I may once again say how wonderful Colomini is as an actor. Yeah, uh, he was so uh, Those reaction shots are the hardest to do because when it finally the camera's on you and you're doing your close-up, you've heard it before and, and you have to react as though you're hearing it for the first time. Really lovely work. Yeah, yeah, it felt totally spontaneous and authentic. And uh, yeah, I agree. I also thought about in this scene, I'm going to talk about me turn this into me for a minute so Bashir's Bashir's flirting this is early in your series he's flirting with another woman yes and all of a sudden I went oh Tom Paris my character 
was written that way early on. Mm -hmm. But something about Bashir's, he's naive, he's kind of boyish, he's he's non-threatening. I think it works great with him. I hated the way they did it for my character. My character was like arrogant and slimier. But I love Bashir doing it. It's he just seems so innocent, totally the opposite of Tom's approach. For me, uh, the way Sid was was, and this is an entomologist speaking. He was very loose, L O U C H E, Um, and and it it fit him like a glove. Mm -hmm. He was very good at at, at those sort of things. He was good at many things, Mm. but he was very good at being suave and sophisticated. Getting back to the story, before he can finish courting this Bajoran lady, both O'Brien and uh, Bashir are hailed by Cisco to report Mm -hmm. to landing pad five. Now that is our next scene. We head to landing pa- landing pad five. We see Cisco and Kira trying their hardest to uh, make this hatch open. It will not budge. Dax and the ensign are stuck inside. I don't even know who this ensign is. They give a name to this ensign with this ensign that never ever speaks. Well, they think there's uh, two people inside, right? right? They do. And then, they do. And then they do run scans and they detect three life forms. Three. That's correct. That they don't uh, expect. So yes. Yeah. But what's going on here is this this runabout has just come back from the Gamma Quadrant through the wormhole. It barely made it through the wormhole. There's very little power left in the runabout. So little power they can't even open. Like the doors won't even open. The 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 clamping locks won't uh, release. There's all kinds of problems because there's not enough power. Life support is failing. And as Robbie said, Bashir does read not two, but three passengers on the Ganges. Chief does fix the issue with a device called an EPI capacitor, which I've I, never seen on Voyager. I have, a qu- I have a question about this. So Cisco and and uh, Kira are there. Hmm with this this mission that's just come back to the station yes and it's it's urgent they're gonna die and it's literally the commander and a first officer yeah why are they doing this why why Why, isn't there like a dozen people trying to it seems like they would be the team at the landing pad it just seems like their rank is much higher than this action they could be bossing them around i agree or they or they shouldn't even be in this scene it should just be a bunch of uh uh, lower deckers trying to open it you know while they're being directed or whatever from ops so it's a little odd you're right just two people this episode always felt to me like a bottle show so maybe they're saving on money by by keeping uh anybody else out yeah i mean yeah that's what it felt like in there it it felt like there's the two of them two series regulars at command level Mm. And they're doing the work of specialists that would know how to do all this stuff, you know? Yeah. They open up the doors, they rush in, uh, and, you know, everyone's still alive. And O'Brien ends up turning towards the third passenger, who we don't know who it is, until she turns into frame and we see it's Vash, who Miles says Vash. Which, yeah. again, throughout this episode, it's Vash and Vash back and forth between various characters. And sometimes... I even tracked one character saying both pronunciations, so it's very, very confusing. Um, But as they all walk out, we see a Starfleet officer kind of hunched down working on a panel right there. And as he turns the camera, we reveal that it is Q himself. Q, John Delancey is there. Well, I I have another question about this moment before... Q is revealed. O'Brien asks Vosh, you know, how did you get to the Gamma Quadrant? It makes no sense. Like, we just discovered this wormhole. How did you get there? And her answer is, a friend dropped me off. Yeah. (laughs) And nobody seems to question that. (laughs) Like, 
I immediately would be like, why are you being evasive? This is a big deal that you were yeah. in the gamma quadrant and you're being evasive. What are you hiding? Yeah. Like, it seems like they don't call her on this answer. Well, they, O'Brien doesn't call her on it. Cisco doesn't call yeah, her on not it later. Not off the bat, but later they do, you know, but not Cisco off the bat. Cisco finally does, but they kind of let her give that coy answer quite a few times where I'm like, that should be a red flag. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, we now jump over to the infirmary where Bashir is given Vash. See, I'm saying it wrong now too. Vash. Bashir has given Vash a clean bill of health. He manages to flirt with her at the same time that he gives her this clean bill of health. Oh, he's flirting he's, hard. My goodness. Is, I, he flirts with everybody. This is what I'm really saying. Does. Like if Tom had done this, people would have said, what a slime ball. But I love Bashir. He does it so beautifully. Yeah. He's so, he's so effortless with it and is charming and he's great. Yeah. I do want to say one thing. Did you notice that Vash is the first one that gets flirty back with Bashir? I feel like in yes, all the episodes yes, I've seen yes. so far, he keeps failing and failing and failing. And yeah. suddenly Vosh is kind of flirting with her. Yes. All right. Next up, we have the commander's office. Dax reports to Cisco about Vosh. And there are far more questions than answers in this scene. Because Cisco yeah. wants, he wants to know, I, what is this woman doing on this station? Right. How did she I get did, here? I did feel like Dax and Cisco have... It, it, it really good chemistry. I think um, Avery and and Terry, their scenes together are starting to feel like these two have a history in a nice way. Hmm. And I wonder if, you know, Armin, if you have any memories of like how people's relationships kind of developed and bonded. Well, it was a natural thing. Um, as you worked more and more with the people, when you got to know them better and yeah. that that bleeds over into the acting. Certainly that's what happened to Renee and I. But I think if I remember correctly, and I wasn't present in any of these op scenes, um, I, I think Avery took it upon himself to nurture Terry along. Not that Terry, Terry needed any nurturing, she didn't, yeah. but but he, he wanted to form a relationship similar to what uh, the characters had in the script. Uh, interesting, hmm. I felt it in this scene. This scene to me was the, the not the first time that I felt, you know, these two had a history, but it's the first time I felt like the actors were right in the pocket of that, that they were okay. both in, in this on the same page. And I felt this a short scene, you know, not a big, not a critically important scene, honestly. But what, what my takeaway was like, yeah, these actors are starting to really feel comfortable with each other. The two of them are connecting on some real level that felt good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after six episodes, we're we're uh, about a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah. And uh, I, I think six episodes. So that would be what I would say three months or three so. months. Yeah. You're probably. Three um, months. Yeah. They're they're getting familiar and and it's no longer. Oh, my God, we're on a TV show, but rather. OK, let, now we have to do the episodes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is real life. Yes. <laughs> this is what I do for a living. Oh, I get it. Okay. <laughs> Time to work. Yeah. All right. Next up, we're in the assay office. Now, I have to say, I've never even heard assay. this word. Assay, assay office. What, what does it even mean? Can you can you define sure. that for me? An uh, assay office is where you determine, certainly in this context, uh, what's inside something. So what is the makeup minerally? of uh, a particular thing. When you, an assay office originally in Westerns, 
uh, you brought a chunk of something in and you assayed it to find out whether there was any gold in it or not. Oh. I wonder, because ass, assay office and the word assess, as an etymologist, you yes. can Yes, those are, the, I would venture to say the same root word, same uh, etymology. Yeah. yeah. I, I just don't like the word assay. It sounds silly to me. I would like assessment office. That sounds better to me, just so you know. That's my I, opinion. Okay. Talk yeah, to Robert Hewitt Wolf and rewrite it. I will. I'm going to talk to I, RHW. I, I would like them to call it uh, a bank's safety deposit room because <laughs> that's, that's what, what it, it felt like. That's what it is. That is exactly what it is. Uh, well, Vash does secure her Gamma Quadrant artifacts in cubicle 19, ending with a retina scan, which I might add is very commonplace today. It's interesting because I'm sure when this episode was filmed, you couldn't that that wasn't being used really i mean maybe in cia or fbi but maybe that, that was an andre bormanis touch maybe he very knew possible because yeah. right. this would be 19 what 92 or so when they were shooting it correct yeah. armin this actor that plays the clerk i think his name is van uh epperson do you know this actor no i don't i loved him i just gotta say his voice he was just he was arrogant and annoying and he also seemed to have like an internal he could just figure out the size he had like a like a, a measuring stick and a and a and a scale internally because he just looked at it and he knew how much it weighed how big it was i thought he was hilarious he's he was... very reminiscent of the there's a character in the uh, schwarzenegger film total recall that is also very similar to this epperson character uh, Epperson's character in same yeah. kind of you know, boisterous and this and that and very knowledgeable and also very similar in physicality too. So I don't know the name of that character or the actor in Total Recall, but anyone listening and knowing that, that knows Total Recall will know exactly what I'm talking who I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. In this assay office, I just want to say it with some emphasis because I know you love that word. In the assay office. The, uh, the last thing she shows is this very large crystal. Yes. Like, this yes. glowing. And clearly it's it's going to be part of our story. I sort of forgot about it, honestly. I, mm. I forgot she locked this thing away. But at the moment when she shows this thing, I was like, oh, this is going to be the key to the thing. And then I forgot about it. <laughs> I wish I'd remembered. But yeah, this, this glowing orange crystal, very mysterious, very important, pretty cool. It looked like clear Lego. It was like made of clear Lego to me with a little light inside, yeah. you know. In it might have been. It might have been. <laughs> it might have been. Props built some Legos, sprayed some goo on it, and it's a prop. Good yeah. to go. The, the other thing I loved is um, is that Vosh, when she's putting in her code, did you see her? She put her hand like, like you would in an ATM or something. <laughs> she's like hiding the code from the clerk doesn't want him to see it was a very nice choice uh i it agree was a very nice choice yeah, yeah. And, and i'm sorry that the that actor never as far as i know showed up on our show again or had the character come back mm. uh, because he was uh uh intriguing very intriguing. yeah he was yeah he made the most of his screen time it's exactly right he felt like an old school like from the old studio days like yes. old 40s like good call so yeah. i you're here to deposit some stuff i yeah. <laughs> I see. It's great. He pulled it off. Just looking at my notes, and we bypassed something that I wanted to just briefly touch on. Let's yeah. talk about Go back it. To, back to the ops uh, scene. Sure. O'Brien says the captain likes a good challenge. 
uh, when talking about Picard, there were a lot of head nods to TNG, Next Generation. A lot. In this. It was, you've got two characters from Next Generation, and but there's a lot of references to, to Next Generation. So O'Brien telling us that Vosh is, is going... We know that Q is going to be a challenge, but we're also reminded that Vosh is going to be a challenge as well. Mm-hmm. To piggyback off of your comment there, Armin, all of these nods to TNG and... Obviously, that show was a big hit. They were in season six when you guys premiered, I think. Their season six, your first season, something like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Big hit, very successful. Um, The studio and the writers were all aware of that. How did you guys feel with those kind of nods as as the new kids? Did you feel like, oh, you don't think we're strong enough to stand on our own? You got to bring Q, you got to... I don't know. I'm making this up, but is that... You're not... Well, it's a very good question. I don't know what I thought at the time. Most of these lines that I'm going to be referencing that are the nods weren't necessarily made in my presence, so I didn't I didn't necessarily think about it. I read it in yeah. the script, certainly, but once having read the script, I then focused on the scenes that I was part of. That's yeah. what actors do. But in hindsight, I find it offensive. That's I what I'm saying. It, I, I, I find it you. offensive. Um, I find it... Uh, and I'll talk about that more later. It, it, it's as though, okay, we're in our sixth episode and, and already we somebody need yeah. needs, yeah, saying that our show needs help. Now, we understood that even by that point that people were not watching us to the extent that they were watching, uh, that they had watched Next Generation. But um, there's just too many nods. And, I'm, and I do want to talk about this in a particular scene in Ops later on. Yeah. Yeah, I felt that a little bit as well. I felt like, why do they need to lean on the other show so early? I'm in this show. I love these characters. I'm all in. I've said it a million times, but I'm all in. You don't need to bring, and I love John Delancey. Um, I think Vash is a very interesting character. Um, this this archaeologist explorer, very kind of Raiders of the Lost Ark mm-hmm. vibe. Indiana I, Jones. Yeah. Indiana Jones. I get all of that. But you didn't need to do that. Like, I want to get to know Quark better. I want to get to know uh, Odo. I want to. I want to see more scenes with Dax and Cisco because I'm seeing the bonding happening. Give me more of that. I don't yeah. want to give anything away, but I think it's the fault of this episode. I think it's a major fault that the episode really doesn't start until Act Four. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, thank you for sharing that comment because I, I felt the same way with the TNG influence. It was already starting to feel like, uh, yeah. All right. So she says that she's going to pick up her items the next day and then she's going to head off on a transport that she has scheduled. She exits, as she's exiting the assay office, she runs into Cisco, who helps carry her bag, which to me looks like a canvas bag that a postal service worker in our it current is, day yeah. would use, yeah. which really kind of, it, it bummed me out because I thought, why doesn't she have a futuristic looking bag? Like, why is she lugging that thing around? Is I think she, it was I the like, Indiana Jones of it all. Is that what you think I it think was? it was, okay. yeah. I was That's trying fine. to be Archaeologist. Vintage. Person. Yes, yeah. vintage. Old okay. school. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. They're in the promenade as they have a walk and talk. And Cisco tells her that the Daystrom Institute really wants to interview her regarding her Gamma Quadrant experience. And this absolutely- Another nod to next generation, the Daystrom. There you go, the Daystrom Institute. Oh, yes. I didn't catch that, but it would have bugged me if I knew that that was a reference. But now, mm-hmm. now it bugs me. Okay. 
continuing. This amuses Vash since her membership to the Institute's Archaeological Council was suspended twice, but Vash in the end takes up Cisco's offer of helping her return to Earth and meet up with the Daystrom Institute people. One thing in that scene, I just do want to mention, I think it's important. She walks by Quark's and Quark notices, and you can tell that it's triggering a thought for him. So he's going to do something with noticing Vosh. The wheels are turning is what you're yes, saying exactly. at that point. Yeah. Okay. We are now in the runabout Ganges interior. O'Brien has checked all the systems and he can't find anything out of order. He has no idea why the power was drained. So at this point, they just need to recharge the, the runabout and everything will be fine. So as O'Brien exits with Cisco from the Ganges, they walk through the airlock and Cisco starts to ask O'Brien about Vosh. The chief doesn't know much, but he volunteers what he knows. Picard met Vosh at Riza and they started a relationship. Is and Riza the point, Riza's the pleasure planet? The pleasure planet, correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The power in the station drops for a quick second and powers back up. But as they're walking through the corridor, this is where that line came up. Armin about mm, thank the you. captain's a challenge or you know likes a challenge that's exactly the point it's O'Brien to Cisco as they exit the Ganges and the airlock and now they're in the corridor where that line happens so thank you yeah so now we're in ops and Cisco asks for a status report Dax says it was a broad spectrum power drain and she asks O'Brien if he's reading any graviton flux around the transfer systems O'Brien surprisingly says, yes, how do you even know that, Dax? And she says, well, that's exactly what happened to us when we were on the runabout, when we lost power. Exactly the same system, the same systems, the same graviton flux, everything. I will say that, again, I'm noticing Dax is the smarty. She She seems to often, right? Yes, she's she's the the science character. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But she's always, and I love this, I love that at the time it was a bit of countercasting i would i would judge that hey we're going to have this science officer the smarty the one that always comes often comes up with solutions but we're not going to go for the nerdier type of actress we're going to go for someone who was a model a fashion model we're going to mm. countercast or yeah. something i i give her credit i give them credit for thinking outside of the box and not just going with a character type who's going to be you know just the brainy nerdy kind of character because she does solve a lot of so far in these episodes, she's often coming up with the perfect question, the perfect connection at the right time. So. Well, she's not only the science officer, but she's arguably the oldest person on the, that's in, right. In the cast yeah. Yeah. the most. So she has yeah. experience. She has experience of, of life as well to, to draw upon. Yeah. yeah. Now uh, we are in the corridor of the living quarters. O'Brien escorts Vosh to her quarters, which used to be Cardassian living quarters. And right before she enters her quarters, she does ask about Jean-Luc and mentions that maybe she should look him up. So there's another reference right there to TNG with mm-hmm. Jean-Luc Picard's name. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the interior of Vosh's quarters and the bed doesn't look so bad because O'Brien was talking about how Cardassian so uh, mattresses are horrible, but looks fine. And she starts unpacking her bag. As she's unpacking, Q appears and tries to convince her to leave with him so that he can continue to show her the all the sights and sounds of the universe. And the funny part about this scene, I felt, was that he keeps repacking her bag for her. It's it ends funny. up and pack on her shoulder. And then she starts unpacking. And, and this just continues where she gets more and more frustrated. I had... A- 
a couple of quick thoughts in this scene. Mm. Um, when she first walks in, she's looking at this giant sculpture. Do you remember that? It's sitting on like a table. And at first I was like, why is she so interested in the sculpture? And then I thought later on in the episode, was that Odo? Or was that, <laughs> does, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't funny. somebody say like, were you in there? You must have been in there. Were you a, 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 a I forget what he's accused of being, you know, a wine bottle or something. Yeah. But I think he was the sculpture. That was the point of her. Like, no, looking I, at... I think I think you're seeing too much. I, oh, okay. First of all, where is Odo in this episode? But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I thought when she looked at the artifact was that as an archaeologist, she was looking to see if it had any value. And, okay. and I thought that was a good choice by Jennifer to uh, to evaluate things as she came across them. Yeah. That's what she does as an archaeologist. Yeah. And I don't think okay. she's even met Odo yet. So I don't even think she knows that he's a shape. Yeah, maybe I was just trying but to put too much. I was like, yeah. what is that? That's part of the mystery. I'm, I'm <laughs> so used to like But that puts together. the idea in my head that... Yes. Odo could be in any female person's room, uh, yes. gawking at them while they're. Doing yes. This. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say about this scene: it's a very long scene, very yes. long, and I felt a little bit. I didn't particularly like the staging or the direction in this scene. I feel mm. like there were a lot of moments that were missed in performance of the comedy of it all, and uh, I felt like the busy work was just too busy for me. It would have been fine for them just to sit and talk and listen and react more authentically. It felt a little over busy to me. And because it was so long, if I may, it's a credit to my good friend, our good friend, John Delancey. John has the talent to rat-a-tat-tat his lines out at a very quick pace. Yeah. And, and, and why I'm applauding him for this, because... I don't think it's a deep, dark secret. John has a problem memorizing lines. And mm -hmm. so his ability to not only memorize, but his ability to spit them out uh, at a rapid speed is, is to be applauded, considering mm. how difficult it is for him to memorize. I, I did not know that, that he had issues with memorizing lines. That's new information for me. Wow. That's. I, I think John is pretty open never... about this. Yeah. So I, I'm uh, not giving anything away. Okay. But you'd never guess it. I agree with you. you the way that he is seems so confident with mm -hmm. the words and is and, and is rattling them off, as you said, you'd and never guess it, it. It's perhaps the Juilliard training that he had. Who knows? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Q is basically trying to cajole her, trying to get her to come along with him to re, you know, partner up basically. And she's just, she's not having any of it. And so he finally relents and asks her, where would she like to explore? And she says, she doesn't want to go anywhere with him. And then he asks her, well, what do you really want? And she says, I want you out of my life. And I want the life back that I had before I met you. As they continue to bicker, the bell, the doorbell rings and it's Quark. And I love Armin. Armin just says, I and then he's gone. It's just so comical to see that Q basically shoes him away. Yeah. Um, and I, I love the line that that Q says. He says, "What business could you possibly have with that disgusting little troll?" Which is a horrible description of of Quark. I'm going to say right horrible. now, but not horrible, not horrible. I've heard it before. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so not totally horrible. He does comply because you know Vosh wants. Cork brought back and Cork appears. Yeah, and I love how yeah. you played the disorientation for a second. And 
and uh, yes. Q's no longer there, but it, it's a great scene. And you introduce yourself to Vosh, and basically you say that you know about her Gamma Quadrant artifacts and suggest that you can help her make a nice profit by auctioning them off. You want 50%. Vosh says you're taking advantage. And that's when, as you're reaching down to pour some wine to sort of smooth it, you know, let, you know, make her feel a little more comfortable and maybe get to your 50%, she grabs your ears and starts massaging them. Yeah, Umox. all of a sudden the show turns into an X-rated project. <laughs> Umox. So, Umox, yes. which is what explain? I alluded to you the last time we yes. were talking. In time, you will find out about the sensitivity of a Ferengi's earlobes. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, obviously it has a great connection to their uh, regenerative process. Uh, uh, hmm. So uh, Umox is... Uh, uh, we had that during several shows. Yeah. And uh, if I may uh, take credit for the fact that uh, I'm, I'm behaving as though this is the greatest sensation in the world, and understandably, everyone can understand that it's just a piece of rubber <laughs> attached to my head, <laughs> which I cannot feel anything at all. Yeah. I can't even feel, I can't feel her fingers. I can't, I don't even know when she's rubbing, really. Right. And the sound that you hear, the crackling of the cartilage, that's all put in in post because there's yeah. no sound. Which there's no sound. It, it, no. It's just someone fondling, a, you know, the a Halloween mask. Yeah, prosthetic. Yeah. How did you time that out then? You knew you had to react in uh, in timing with the touch. Did you? I don't remember timing it out. I only remember that it was a fortuitous reaction. So it, yeah. it, everything worked exactly as it should. But could I feel anything? No. Not a thing. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so she grabs her ears, starts massaging them, performing his ears, his ears. Yeah, his ears, excuse me. She grabs his ears and starts massaging them, and he melts instantly and says she performs good umaks. 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 Yes. Uh, he keeps lowering the percentage until she finally accepts the offer at 22%. What is the agreed upon result? It's 22% yeah. and keep going. That's and what he's that uh, yeah. going. <laughs> What does she immediately going. do? She stops. She stops. <laughs> so she she broke the contract already. Yeah, right she there. broke the contract. I yeah, I noticed that. She sees you to the door, and as soon as you're gone, as Cork is gone, Q reappears, but is quickly interrupted by yet another door chime. Guess who? It's Bashir who has come to pay Vash a visit. This, this is the longest scene in <laughs> Star Trek history. <laughs> it, it goes on and on and on. It and really it does. has nothing to do with our show. No. no. Nothing to do no, no. with our show. It doesn't no. promote the plot any. It's just a tip of the hat to next generation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I didn't yeah. I didn't love that. No. Yeah. Well, Bashir's there to continue flirting and to ask her to dinner. She agrees to meet him in about 20 minutes when she can get herself prepared for dinner. And Q reappears and she dismisses him. Get out of here. We have an exterior space shot of the station, and we're back in the replimat with Bashir sitting at a table, waiting for Vash to, to arrive for dinner. The waiter, a.k.a. Q, walks up to the table. Bashir orders mint tea, and Q basically tells him to stay away from Vash. Bashir argues none of, that it's none of his business, and Q tells him that he looks tired. Bashir says he feels fine, but then Q yawns, which then causes Bashir to do the same. Now Bashir is exhausted and leaves so to go funny. take a nap. A very funny scene. I love his exit, the physical comedy that yeah. Sid can play when he was walking backwards yes. and kind of stumbling. Mm -hmm. And it's just, he's, he's, yeah, he's really funny. Did you catch Robbie, that little under the breath comment from uh, Q? <laughs> when he, he say? says, uh, 
he says, Bashir goes, I think I, I, I'm, I'm going to go lie down for a minute. And then <laughs> Q goes, hopefully by yourself for a change. So <laughs> saying that he's he's lied down with many, many uh, uh, aliens. He's a lover. Person. Bashir's he's a, a lover. Yeah, he really he's is. He's a lover. Okay. Uh, so that doesn't bother you at all, right? You're okay no. with him uh, saying no. that. Okay. Compared to the Umak scene? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 O'Brien's there at the end. Yeah, O'Brien sees the the end of this interchange, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, holy, holy!" He poop. recognizes Guess what? you yes. from the Enterprise. Yep, and he heads over. He hightails it to Ops, and yeah. in Ops, he informs Cisco that Q is on the station. I think it's uh, Kira that's like, "Whoa, who's a Q? What's a Q?" She doesn't know what Q is. Cisco's been to a conference on Q, so he knows. Uh, Dax asked what Q wants with them, and O'Brien suggests that it might have something to do with Vosh, since. Q and Vosh met on the Enterprise. Now, while they're talking, the power on in the station drops. More yet again. power problems. More power problems. Yep. O'Brien says all systems are functioning normally, but he thinks Q is the reason why the power fluctuations are happening. And I would say that all of us think that. Uh, ever since the beginning of the episode, all the, the power fluctuations, I always thought was because of Q. And of Q. We, yeah. We will mm -hmm. find out what it really is. But um, but I I agree that the MacGuffin that they put into this episode that's very clever actually that's yeah. the that's one of the things I did like about the episode. Okay. Yeah. Good. I wish they had tied that misdirect though the the everyone thinks it's Q. I wish they had tied it more uh, specifically in some of the scenes like that it appeared specifically why he why he might be doing this because I was with you I I thought it was Q that's it was you know coming from him. But I couldn't figure out for the life of me why. Why would he be doing this? It's it's not right. helping him get Vosh. It's not helping him with anything he says he's here to do. So. And I thought that it was going to be revealed to us later on in the episode. Yeah. Why he yeah. was doing that. And But yeah. it was, as you say, a misdirection. Yeah. All right. So now we're in Quark's. Quark and Vosh are planning for the auction. Vosh wants the orange glowing orb to be the last item auctioned and quark basically says you know what this thing has no intrinsic value but i'm going to do you a favor take it off your hands seven bars of latinum and she says <laughs> no it's worth way more than that he keeps upping the price he says nope it's going to be in the auction it'll be the last item and it, it will start at the bid of 200 bars of gold pressed latinum 200 cisco arrives to interrogate vosh about q and right when he asked the question, she was there at the bar, turned away from camera. He turns around and says, well, I'm right here to answer your questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love that shot with uh, with Quark and Vosh in the foreground and Cisco popping in between them. Yeah. It's yeah. a great shot with Cisco in the middle. Mm -hmm. It is that. And I asked myself as I watched that scene, why do I leave? Why? Yeah. This, Cisco <laughs> has no hold over me. It's my place. I'm having a business conversation with a colleague. Um, and, and not only does he ask me to leave, but the look on his face is like, you know, I smell something horrible. Uh, uh, he thinks I smells that I smell badly. That's what I'm trying to say. Does he actually uh, ask you to leave? I think he just says he needs to interrupt and, and talk to her. We, and he you're says, like, I'm busy, right? And it, he goes, well, it can wait. He's saying it can wait. That's right. He wait. says yeah. it can wait. He and and I go yeah. and I leave and I... And I don't know why I leave, <laughs> uh, um, but that's neither here nor there. I leave. You should have sat there. Yeah. I should. I should have. I should have given him some sort of 
you know, retort to say, this is my bar or whatever. I'm yeah. always in a business meeting or whatever. You yeah. Know? yeah. He has no hold on me. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. There's an act break with uh, Q revealing himself to Cisco and we come back uh, in the same spot and Cisco wants Q basically off the station mm-hmm. and Q taunts Cisco. Cisco demands that these power outages stop immediately. And Cisco also wants to talk in private. So Q, he asks, he asks um, Q to talk in private and then Q makes everybody disappear in quarks, just the two of them. And Cisco's mm-hmm. starting to get mad and Q brings everybody back. But now it's like this old fashioned boxing match. And we see, uh, you know, Q starting to punch Cisco and he just takes the punches and Quark makes a bet that uh, Cisco is going to win this fight, which you would never expect Q to lose a fight like this. But Q punches a few times, Cisco blocks a punch and knocks Q down. And I must say, thank you, writers, for allowing Quark to actually win one. Yes. <laughs> it yes. rarely happened. Uh, it's very nice. I actually won one. Yeah, you I did. I want to bet. I want to bet. And it would it was a bet that I was surprised because I thought, oh, there's no way this scene is gonna turn to Cisco beating Q. No one ever beats Q. He always has the upper hand. So So that I, was the one one of the few times in this episode where we say Deep Space Nine, our captain, is better than Picard. Uh, our captain, you know. Yeah. Picard never hit me, I think is the retort that uh Q yeah, did. Q says, you hit me. Yeah. Picard never hit me. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, our captain is very different than Picard. Yeah. And, and by the way, he's not a captain. He's a commander. For me, the first punch thrown was Q on Cisco. It was like a right cross. It was like and a... I, it was a fan. And I, I just started laughing. It was so calm. I don't know why, but it was a very comical moment for me to see Cisco getting punched by Q. The first no, one after, after that. Yeah. It, it doesn't look like a real punch. It doesn't yeah. look like a real reaction. Why right. did Paul Lynch go for that? I have yeah. no idea. I, I... Did he not think it was a serious scene? Did he think this was a comic moment? Um, I, I don't know why it was shot that way. It felt absurd to me. It felt like a dream, like this whole thing is a dream. So a quick punch, which where there was no reaction was warranted, but it, to me, it was funny. I, I laughed at it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, the next scene is uh, on the promenade, these rolling doors that I love by the docking bays open up and out comes, out of this rolling door comes a big uh, well-dressed alien and a Ferengi is with him. And then these three other aliens come out with blue bags or something over their heads. I've never seen save these on aliens. makeup. Save yes. on makeup. Just cover up their faces. Just put bags over their head. That maybe you're right. It was a it was a bottle show. That's what they were yeah. saving money everywhere. But Odo sees this, watches uh, from his office doorway, and then the lights dim again, and Odo reacts. He can't believe this is still happening. Uh, we go to ops next, and uh, the lights. Are, are out in ops when we come in, but they come back on soon. So this pattern of these energy surges is repeating. Suddenly, this wind starts blowing on the bridge or ops, the command center, this giant wind. And we find out they're losing compression and they have to raise shields to stop the air from escaping. And uh, they assess that there's damage. Uh, the damage includes one hull breach and multiple hull fractures. So this wind bit, it felt <laughs> underwhelming to me. It felt like they had a big Ritter fan. 
like if you really lose compression, people would be off their feet. They would be sucked across the room. It wouldn't it just, just be your hair being blown back. Yeah, <laughs> it was a little underwhelming. But... I, I think they were saving money. They, I, I, it's I, a I, bottle it. show, guys. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it is. They have one one Ritter fan. So the fans that they use for that kind of uh, wind effect so that yeah. people listening know, it's a very old fashioned Hollywood fan. It's a probably about six feet high. It, it, it has like what looks like an airplane propeller or something mm. in it. And they turn this motor on and that fan just blows a ton of, it's called a Ritter fan. And mm -hmm. so that's probably what they used here. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little underwhelming. It was a little comical, I guess I would say to me. Okay. Again, not knowing what the tone of the show was about. Somehow exactly. the writers hadn't told Paul Lynch, the director, you know, what the tone was. Mm. Yeah. It seemed a little all over the place to me. And with Vosh, especially those scenes, I found her to be kind of cavalier at times in ways that didn't feel connected to the specific words that they were saying, which could have been swashbuckling Indiana Jones tone. Maybe they generally were going for that, but I felt like uh, Vosh was a little all over the place for me. Okay. We go to the quarter next, Dax and Cisco inspect the hull breach. So there's a hole. You can see a force field holding uh, our atmosphere, you know, and keeping them safe. You can see that. It looked like the fritzing of an old TV to me. <laughs> it looked like that, what is it, you called it, snow on, mm -hmm. you know, old televisions when they didn't get good reception. You played with the yeah. with the antenna on the top. It looked like snow to me, this, uh, this man-sized hole that was there. But Dax wants to negotiate with Q, and Cisco basically says, I don't think it's Q. I don't think this is him. It's not his style to be doing this. And how the hell would he know that? How would he know? He he's heard a little bit about this Q guy. He met he at a seminar. Admit, yeah. At a seminar. Yeah, what his style is. Unless the whole seminar was about Q's style, then maybe yeah, it's, it's the, the, to me, it's just hilarious that he went to this seminar like he went to Vegas, you know, and like every every industry in yeah, the world convention. goes to Vegas and has a convention. They had a Q convention to discuss Q. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah. Uh, we go to the security office next and Odo and Quark are there. Odo lets Quark know that he is aware of this auction. Totally legal auction. Totally, totally legal. legal auction. And this is where Quark thinks he was a wine bottle or he was, he, how did you know, unless you were hiding out in the room when we no negotiated privacy. This? No privacy from no. this man whatsoever. For your umlaut or whatever. What is umax. It umax. umax. Did you um, call it an umlaut? <laughs> an umlaut's a different thing, but yeah. it was, yeah. It's what goes over the umax. <laughs> <laughs> umax is an O with the umlaut over it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Quark thought maybe he was the wine bottle. Uh, um, <laughs> Odo thinks that, and this is a great speech. And I wonder if this is the speech you were talking about. This speech about Odo talking about material possessions. And he basically thinks they're worthless. And he doesn't get why everybody spends so much energy collecting possessions. Right. And then Quark makes an offer of a few things Odo might desire, but nothing interests him until... The very last thing Cork uh, offers is a latinum-plated bucket to sleep in. And Renee That gives him of, pause. That yeah, actually gives him pause. Yeah, he stops for a second, and then he's like, nah. Because nah. it is his only possession. That's it, right? right. right. It's his yeah. only... He has a bucket that he sleeps in to regenerate in. Yeah. So it's his only possession. And it might make go back one half a step. Yeah. 
One of the things I've loved about Star Trek uh, all through my life is occasionally they write these wonderful speeches given by aliens, started with Spock talking about humans, mm -hmm. uh, and then was passed on to others in Deep Space Nine. And I'm sure they did it on your show as well, where, where an alien is able to, to make judgments, to give an overall uh, critique of human behavior mm -hmm. so that so that the audience can go, you know what? Yes, yes, we do do that. We do do that. Yeah. I, I love that when it happens on a show. And, and, and this is one of those occasions. They gave this kind of speech to an alien, to Odo, to make. And he's not talking so much about the people on the station. I think the writers are talking about humanity in general. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Yeah, and it's, it, it's a great sentiment. It's a great sentiment of mm -hmm. all the time we spend collecting things and you know none of it really matters ultimately it's a great yeah. sentiment yeah it's uh, a great sentiment i don't know that cork would agree Qu no no cork. he wouldn't <laughs> no. acquisition after all is is the highlight of their ethos uh yes. of acquiring things so so yes he wouldn't agree but it wasn't really meant for quark it was meant for the audience yeah right yeah great we go to the promenade next vosh uh exits the assay office with her sack of items to auction and Q tries to convince her to stick with him again, but she says, no, it's it's over. He tells her, actually, that the galaxy can be very dangerous. And if she doesn't have him to protect her, she could get hurt. And he slowly starts changing her appearance. So first, her hair starts falling out. She's going bald or getting mm. aging. She gets boils on her face mm. until finally she's so old and, and frail that she's on the ground with, yeah. you know, bald, no hair and boils. He tells her at the end, just think about it. And then he's gone and she returns back to normal. That was a lot of makeup changes. Oh my gosh. For a yeah. very short scene to me. Mm -hmm. Which felt... made up for the fact that of those guys who had no faces who were covered with cloth. Uh, oh, so yes. Yeah. That was the, the time and money that they saved on that. They put it into They Jennifer's put it into makeup. hers. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they could, he could have just jumped to the end. Like, I don't know. It, it, and then they could have used that money for the other makeup looks on her for some, some blue bagged aliens having a face. Or two fans in ops. <laughs> yes. Or two fans, two Ritter fans in ops. We have a, a station log. The station's power is continuing to be drained, Cisco says. And now the episode starts for me. Yes. Mm. Now the episodes. Now we say, oh, this is the problem. This, this is, the, is problem. the danger. This mm, is the, yeah. the conflict that needs to be resolved. Right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Cisco says at this rate, our life support systems will fail in 14 hours. That's mm. bad news. That's the whole station's life support going out. They're in trouble. Uh, we go to ops. The team is trying to figure out how to stay safe with all this power drained. Q appears. He tells them that Vosh is much more dangerous than he is. That's basically his news. Knowing the end of the episode, another good misdirection. We tend not to believe Q, but yeah. in this case, he's absolutely right. But yeah. for not the reason that we all think he is. Yeah, right. And again, by this point, I had forgotten about the bank safety deposit room. Mm. Or or the assay office. Assay office. Yes. I had forgotten about that. So I'm not down that track. So the ending is a big surprise to me because I've completely spaced out. Next, we go to Quarks and Quark shows a small mouthed alien. I just noticed this alien had the tiniest little square opening for a mouth, which was very rare that we saw that kind of makeup. Where the yes, mouth... because the actor can't eat if you do. <laughs> 
very small mouthed alien uh, is looking at some auction items. Uh, the alien says that these better be real and authentic. And then he leaves. Cork's very happy. He tells Vash they make a great team. They should partner up. She says she's done with sleeping in tents and going on these adventures looking for archaeological objects. She she just wants her money and she wants to go back to Earth and have a quiet life. And then there's this big ship shake. I keep calling it a ship shake, but it's not a ship. It's a station. There's a station Station shake. shake. Yes. <laughs> I know this is going to be hard for me to to get off of the mindset of bridge, ship shake. You have yeah. a docking bay, it, not a shuttle bay. It was bay. hard for millions of people who watched our show to get over oh, that as well. Interesting. It, it, it took several decades for people to get over that. Yeah. We were not a ship. We were a station. We, we weren't yeah. wagon train. We, we were uh, gun smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect analogy. Yeah. Big... Station shake. I got it right. We go to ops and uh, we learn the graviton field is increasing and Dax's plan uh, won't be ready for another seven or eight minutes. So her plan to use these, what were they called? Um, tridium, tritium? Tritium levels, right? Tridium levels. Yeah. It's not going to be ready for seven or eight minutes and the ship is being suddenly pulled out of positions. Uh, they try their thrusters which, Armin, you didn't remember that you had thrusters until you rewatched the show. <laughs> but they try their thrusters, and that doesn't work, and they're heading straight towards the wormhole. I love that space shot where we see those thrusters come on, those around the ring, and we see it's trying to push the, the station in one direction, <laughs> but it's being tractored i guess or they don't they don't use that word tractored but it feels no. like it's being pulled or drawn mm -hmm. in the opposite direction mm -hmm. and it's being drawn towards the wormhole bad yeah. news now we finally get to our auction we're at quarks the auction that we've been, all been waiting for is finally happening i love the opening of this where where vosh is starting to give this academic history lesson about these objects and quarks like wait no 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 what are you doing stop yeah and he simply gets up and says, this thing is rare, it's beautiful, and it's a or Gamma Quadrant original, and that gets everybody excited. Yeah. So Quark knows how to run an auction. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was very funny. Uh, any any memories of this auction, Armin, that you recall of this doing this these scenes? Because it's a sequence here. No, no. No memories. Ago. No memories. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that amazing? Like all of us, we, we Garrett and I had the same experience as we watched Voyager. There were scenes I did not remember. There were episodes. Yeah, that we didn't remember filming, Armin. We were like, what? when did this even happen? Like we had no <laughs> recollection that that scene even existed until yeah. we watched the show. So, uh, I, I have had that experience uh, over the course of the years. Uh, Kitty t tends to watch Deep Space Nine on occasion, and I walk mm. into the room and I look and go, I don't remember that scene at all. <laughs> uh, so crazy. yes, I, I totally agree with him. Now this scene I do remember. I do yeah. remember doing it. Yeah. Uh, I remember having a, a good time with Jennifer, um, but uh, but I, I nothing don't, specific. Nothing you just specific. Have kind of a, yeah. yeah, just a vague memory of doing it. I, I think it 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 may have been one of the first times where. I wasn't doing anything nefarious. I was simply mm -hmm. doing what any businessman would do, right. uh, you know, and, and uh, I was grateful for that at that moment. That mm -hmm. that's the sort of vague memory that I have. Mm -hmm. 
Nice. Okay, so we go back to ops. The auction has started. It's in progress. We go back. Dax's plan for using the tritium gas is finally ready. The levels are at the right place. And Miles O'Brien isolates the source somewhere near the core of the station. So they can't pinpoint the exact spot, but they know generally it's by the core. Kira says they're going to be at the wormhole, drawn into the wormhole in 18 minutes now. And Cisco in the scene just can't, can't figure out who would pull them into this wormhole. So, you know, the stakes are escalating here, but they are getting a little warm about where this is coming from. But the stakes are super high because O'Brien at this point gives the audience the knowledge that this station will not survive the wormhole yes. journey. Yes. It's going to break into a billion pieces. So this is the end of everybody if this yeah, happens. Yeah, this is where that explicitly is said. Like yes. we have 18 minutes, we're going to be drawn into this wormhole and we will be, yeah, crushed. Mm -hmm. So no one will survive. Right. So that's bad. Yeah. That's very, very bad. Very bad. Uh, we go back to the auction. Uh, the auction continues. Q is there now, sitting in the back. Uh, as sales go on, Q interrupts and informs them that they're all going to die, basically, that the <laughs> station is hurtling towards their doom. And uh, then Vash starts to panic a bit. She goes to Q, blames him, she, which is what we all did. We all thought it, this was Q. Yeah. But he says, nope, it's not me. And he says, look, if you'll just agree to stay with me, come back and you know, do this thing we've been doing together, I'll save you. And she declines. I I love how Cork tries to calm down all the auction attendees by saying, everything's under control, drinks, free drinks for everyone, oh, free use of the hollow suites at the conclusion of the auction. He's yeah. just, uh, don't, he's a don't businessman. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> Spirit's over. Uh, yeah, businessman and trying to, to control things. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, I do remember liking doing that. Yeah. Okay. Here's a question for you, Armin. At the very end of this scene, Cork says, sold to my cousin stole for $105 of gold oh, press yes, platinum. Right. Now the shot on your cousin, he's missing his front teeth and he sticks his tongue out. He does this very, it's sort of like a Hannibal Lecter kind of a, you know, thing yeah. where it's just, it's creepy. I, I just, anyway, any comments yeah. on that? You guys didn't have to, but those of us who played aliens, we learned over a period of time and it, easier for us who had done it a number of times, as opposed yeah. to those who were just thrown into makeup, is to stop playing being an alien. Don't be an alien. Mm -hmm. Michael Westmore takes care of that. Right. You don't have to play an alien. And I think yeah. that's that's what was happening there was yeah. uh, this actor wanted to show you that he was an alien and did yes. some alien-like behavior. Okay. Uh, what we all learned relatively quickly was don't have to do that. The makeup is enough. The makeup yeah. says it all. We don't need to add to that. Don't gild the lily. Mm -hmm. There you go. Okay. This scene reminded me a bit of like a Titanic moment, I have to say. <laughs> like From when, the feature film? From the just when just Q, the moment. Q says, yeah. you're all hurtling toward your doom, but... <laughs> Keep playing the music. The band Keep, must play on. Yeah, the band yes. must and, play on. And nobody pays attention to him. Nobody says, really? Except for Vash. It's kind of wonderful that there, here's this God telling you the truth. And it's Nobody's like listening. Cassandra, for those of you who are familiar with, uh, with Greek mythology. Because mm -hmm. Cassandra knew the truth, but nobody believed her. Mm -hmm. And here, a, a Q is telling you the truth, and, and nobody's paying any attention. No. Well, there's cool objects in, in front of them. Right. Mm -hmm. 
they have to, you know, put all their energy as, as Odo said, that that matters more than anything. If they can own, uh, you know, more objects, we go to ops, uh, Dax comes up with a plan. She says, bring the reactors back online at full power. And that will help kind of, I guess, amplify this, you know, this gas that she had put in or whatever. And that will show them precisely the source of where this problem is. Where the power drains happen. Yeah, very mm -hmm. dangerous because this bringing the reactors back at full power could also increase uh, the speed at which they're drawn back in. Mm -hmm. uh, so very dangerous. But Cisco says do it. And there were super close-ups, like extra close close-ups in this mm -hmm. scene, which this is something tonally that was weird to me. It's like, wait, we're we're a little all over the map here. Like usually a close-up like this is in the most tense. You've built to this over a sequence of time. And it's like this scene, we sort of jump to these super tight close-ups very quickly. Yeah. So we go back to Quark's. The auction's continuing. Prices are going up. We cut to the end. Basically, this glowing crystal, which I had forgotten about, gets bid up to uh, 600 bars of gold-pressed latinum at this moment. Did you see whose hand came? Do you see the hand coming up on the 600? No, who was it? It's a, well, it's not, it's one of the attendees, but it's a six-figured hand. So I thought, six-figured oh. hand, and I was like, wait a minute. Is this an homage to Princess Bride, the six-fingered man? You know, you know, oh, that's I, funny. I, I, didn't I didn't catch know. that. Yeah. Yeah. Six hand, six fingers on that hand. Yeah. So in this scene, it's the price is going up to 600, which is mm. much higher than anything previously. Yeah. We go back to ops, Dax, uh, you know, the smarty. Again, Dax, she's figuring it all out. Uh, she isolates the source of this. It's on the promenade, she says, but they only have a few minutes now until they're sucked into the wormhole. Mm -hmm. uh, three minutes, 14 seconds, I think. Uh, and they're picking up speed. So this is bad, bad news. Back to Quark's in the auction. The numbers go up to 2,500. 2,501, Q says. So now he's bidding against, uh, I guess, the six-fingered man? or Yeah, maybe. Somebody. After the, the bidding goes up, we come back to the promenade. The team's coming out of a lift. Dax is using her tricorder to scan for the source. Back to Quarks. Wait, wait, wait. Before you go back to Quarks. Yes. The most egregious uh, moment for me in the episode. There's three minutes left before utter destruction. They get out of this thing and they calmly are walking down pro the promenade. They're not running. With their not running, not concerned, <laughs> just waving these wooden blocks around. And, um, and, and there's three minutes to go. I go... Didn't anybody read the script? There's got to be more energy, you know, urgency yeah. to this. It was yeah, totally it was... wrong, wrong. Urgency is an ops. It's not at the auction. <laughs> it's just an ops. Exactly, I think. exactly. So these guys are, they found out it's on the promenade and they're just calmly looking around. Yeah, they as, went from these close ups and the right. end of the world to a, yeah. a five shot and they're all walking slowly down, the, down yeah, the promenade. I wonder if we can find a Christmas tree anywhere on the promenade. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Christmas tree or is that Odo? I don't yes, know. Yes, exactly. It could be Odo. <laughs> but Dax does pick up a signal on her tricorder and they yeah. gently and calmly walk down the promenade. <laughs> We're back to the quarks. Now the bidding is up to uh, 3,000 bars of latinum. Q offers, yes, a million. A million, yeah. A million bars. That's when the team arrives 
They scan. It turns out it's this glowing crystal that yeah. was locked away in the bank's safe deposit room. Yeah. Um, they call for a transport very quickly. We cut out to space. We see this thing go out to space. And it turns into this little glowing crystal, transforms into uh, some kind of organic ship or something. It looked like a ship or a it, being. It, it, I think yeah. it was a being. I think it was, it was a being. being. Yeah. It was an okay. embryonic life form is what they That's right. they referred That's to right. it. So my take was that orb was the was the egg. And it was about to hatch, and when it hatched, that's oh, when it went back to it went back home, right? It went back to find the mom. So that's the way I looked at it, and it really looked to me it looked like the deep sea aliens from the movie The Abyss. Um, yes, it did with yeah. that really sort of flowing, kind of glowing looking. It looked like a manta ray, right? And yeah. so that's kind of what those aliens look like in that feature film, and that's what I what Thank I thank you, Garen. I didn't quite get that, but you're absolutely right. You're oh, absolutely yeah. right. Okay, great. Yeah this this creature. Uh hatches out in space heads off yeah. to the wormhole yeah and we have a station log with the embryonic here it is the embryonic life form so mm -hmm. it wasn't a ship it was a it was a being uh it was a being. with the embryonic life form off our station graviton levels have returned to normal and we've used those control th thrusters that armin forgot you had mm -hmm. uh to return the station back to its original position Armin, I want to commend you for your the scene, the last part of the auction there, because you you really played that well in terms of when it got to a million, like you could just see that mm -hmm. you were, oh, you were so pleased with the result of that. Dreams come like, true. Every time oh, yeah. that thing went higher, you 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 I, played I the see, stake. Oh, I could see acquiring God. a moon you, sometime you, very soon. Very yes, soon. You were, <laughs> you were about to be the ruler of your very own moon. And yes, exactly, I, it's, exactly. it was delicious watching you uh, do Thank that. Thank you. So. Thank yes. you. You know, we're going to die a million bars of Latin. Is I'm reminded of the Jack Benny quote, which is, uh, your money or your life. And, he, and Benny says, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> there you go. Our final scene here is uh, back in Quark's, where Quark's trying to uh, convince Vosh that her life back on Earth is just going to, at the Daystrom Institute, is just going to be super boring. He tries to tempt her with uh, some rumors of some ruins that she could explore, but she declines. Then Q appears, and he tries one last time to have her stay with him, but she's determined to go home. Uh, he says that he'll miss what she gave him, which was seeing things through her eyes, her wonder, her curiosity. Mm -hmm. And then he disappears. And the little tag at the end, Vash goes back to Quark and asks, what's the quickest way to Tataris 5? She's just too curious. She's an explorer. She's an adventurer. Now that she's gotten uh cue off of her tail she goes back it seems like she's going to go back to uh exploring and being yeah. an archaeologist robbie you didn't make a note about close talking with q and vosh at the end there my gosh oh, they no. were close there were they close He's talking his face was in her hair practically it was like good lord just the way that that was angled it was to me it was like way too close classic star trek close talking mm -hmm. i don't see it in other shows like like this like this no. franchise no and this era of of yeah. trek they would it was the, and maybe that was a Marvin Rush thing. Maybe he would encourage oh, actors to sort of. It, yeah. it might also be, if I remember correctly, and, and you guys would know better, that if you're at the end of the day and there's really no time mm -hmm. left and you have a lot of shot, you can do it, uh, yeah. you know, one behind the other so so that we don't have to have two setups for yeah. uh, for two people's uh, reaction shots. So you can just yeah. do it one. It's a yeah. time saver for sure, yeah. 
Yeah. But it looks awkward as hell, though, I think. So. It does. Just... Sometimes it works, but often it doesn't. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's two people standing right next to each other, leaning in really close <laughs> in ways that human beings just wouldn't normally. Would never do in a million yeah. years. Yeah. And Bashir enters and he's yawning and he asks, what did he miss? <laughs> he just woke and up. <laughs> he just woke up. I had forgotten about my favorite Bashir, but he... <laughs> He's been sleeping. Quark put him to sleep. I, I, I actually don't think he's been sleeping. Uh, knowing Sid, I'm quite sure he was in his trailer playing video games. I'm quite sure that's what was. Oh, <laughs> that's, wow. That's I, oh, new uh, knowledge. <laughs> yeah, but Dax just smiles. And uh, that is the end of our Q-less episode. Voila. If I may, there's a scene in Ops where um, Q is addressing Cisco, Kira, mm-hmm. O'Brien, and uh, he says, uh, "You have a Q says to Cisco, you've got a motley crew here," and uh, and and then says to him something like, uh, "This Picard would never put up with this. I guess this is why uh, you don't have your own starship." And oh then yeah. The next, then he talks to to uh, Kira, and and she says something defiant to him, and he calls her, you know, some some sort of misogynistic yes citation of some sort Mm. and then he turns to o'brien and and says oh yes you were one of the little people which was a double insult as far as i was concerned these are all insults Mm -hmm. um and which is a double insult one he's accusing cullum of being from the lower decks if we may Mm -hmm. make that analogy Mm -hmm. and two we all know the cullum is irish and the little people is a reference to leprechauns so um so it's a double insult now now what i found infuriating about yeah. about this is really the the powers that be decided that we had in the sixth episode of our first season to to disparage the by making comparison with the other show i don't know about wow. your show but mm. our show always lived in the shadow of next generation and, and this particular sequence of, of speeches by q is indicative of what we were all frightened of that we would when compared between the other of the two shows we would come out lacking Mm -hmm. and uh yes they put it in the mouth of q so you can't take it too seriously i found that particular addition in the script insulting wow that totally makes sense i didn't put it in the context that you just did so to me it was just typical q being rude and offensive but at that time we were suffering a, a lack of audience it this seemed to be uh, addressing that in, in my mind anyway so yeah. i may have been the only person thinking that uh, perhaps no one else was but that's the way i saw it okay interesting yeah offensive for you definitely when you're watching offensive. that yeah yeah All right. My moral, my theme, my lesson from this episode is make sure that you understand what you're dealing with before you let your curiosity take you too far. So to me, I don't think they knew. I don't think Vosh knew. I don't think anybody knew what this glowing thing was. They just wanted to possess it. Mm -hmm. And um, people sometimes can start getting ahead of themselves before they understand what they're getting into. So to me, that was the, that was the lesson. Mm. 
Uh, mine is is going to be everything in moderation because clearly when you obsess over materialism, it can really pull you down. So mm-hmm. uh, I just think everything in moderation and and be beware of materialism because it can rule your life. Mm-hmm. And I would sort of echo what Robbie said. Um, don't jump to conclusions. I spent most of the episode thinking that Q was responsible and I jumped to conclusions because I thought I knew the character Q well enough to, to make that assumption, but I was wrong. Yeah. And uh, I think the theme of the show is don't jump to conclusions. Yeah. Great. Okay, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Q-less or clueless or umlaut as some of us call this episode. <laughs> Umox, I know it's Umox. No, but I'm we should just start it. calling it Umlaut from now on, just for your sake, Robbie. Would Please you do. say that person gave good Umlaut? Okay, so there you go. <laughs> well, thank you all for uh, listening to our recap and discussion. For our Patreon patrons, please stick around for your bonus material. We'll see you next week. <laughs>